Nick Woos, good morning. Good morning. What's up, man? Not much, bro. This is awesome. You're doing a pop-up. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing, um, we decided to do like a little experiment here. We're doing it remotely. Nick's at his house. I'm at my house. Nick is usually here. We're going to do this yeah. one uh, remote to see how this works out. Got a couple things to talk about. Maybe do like a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, just because we don't want to do the long ones all the time. That that Mortis episode is a little bit over two hours. It's That's a spicy meatball right there. That's a spicy meatball. Big old meatball. That was really special, though, dude. It was a tasty meatball. It Damn. was. It was a tasty meatball. But, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit long. So this one's like a little more like of an appetizer, you know? You feel like there's some sort of optimum uh, length where people start tuning out or something? I maybe. I'm not sure. You know, I mean... Most of the podcasts I listen to are between an hour and hour and a half. Yeah. So I don't think two is like too much, but you know, but, but it was a special, special episode. So yeah, sure was. I don't feel bad about it, but uh, no, it was really incredible talking to him and uh, just getting some insights from the old school days and just oh, yeah. talk. Yeah. So yeah. cool. So cool. Yeah. He's no, a really good to talk to man. That was awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that, that guy's great too. Like super, super nice guy. And, yeah. yeah, very cool. It was nice. He posted it on all of his socials, and he told Weird War about it, and <laughs> nice. posted it on uh, like his like Patreon campaign and Bandcamp and stuff. So yeah, very nice of him. Very. Cool. Have you seen the okay. stats, or maybe this isn't something we could talk about? <laughs> I wonder if there's like a lot of downloads or something. <laughs> yeah, I would say. I mean, I haven't looked in a bit, but um, it was by far the most downloaded within a 24-hour span of being released. That's fucked up, man, because that means that people aren't interested in what you and I have to say. Also. I know. But man. but I will say that with you and I, we get more downloads than I had before when it was just me. So nice. Nice. You, you've uh, yeah, you've upped the ante. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm, I'm happy to help. And it's been really fun. So, yeah, let's keep going for sure. So um, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, record collecting and collecting in general. Yeah, that's a good topic for, uh, yeah. I don't know, for metalheads, or maybe it's not specific. Maybe it's a rock and roll thing, but... Maybe, but I think, you know, particularly metalheads for sure. I mean, I think metalheads are definitely more into that than other genres, maybe? I mean, I, I don't know. That's just my, that's what I know, our metal fans. I feel so. like merch has been so important, even in the early days, you know, buying shirts and... Yeah. Uh, just like admiring the album covers and all these things were so important to the music. Yeah. And uh, now it's even more, I think, you know, bands are on tour and they're not making any money on tour. The only way they can make is in the merch. So they're putting yeah. a little more effort into the merch and uh, I've been suckered into this, dude. It's awesome. Yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that's, it's, if it's not specific to metal, it's very important in the metal genre. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and then also we're going to talk a little bit about Napalm Death's classic song, You Suffer. Uh, <laughs> epic. Yeah, yeah, their epic song. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we just did the Mortis episode, what, like two weeks ago? Oh, uh, only a week and a couple a of days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're on the ball. Usually I'm like, hey, dude, what have you been up to? Like, seen any shows? Got any trips? So it's like, oh. <laughs> I only saw you like a week ago, so yeah. The only thing I've done is weathered a, a cold storm, so yeah. Same. And that's a lot for that's a lot for us. We don't live in Minnesota, dude. No, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we had a massive, uh, well, massive for us ice storm. Uh, pretty much shut down the city for a week. I was iced in for a week. 
Yeah. Uh, all the schools were shut down for a week. It's hard to get groceries. Um, yeah. But no, it's fine. Like it looks pretty normal outside, ex- except for tons and tons of giant trees that have downed and crushed cars, crushed people, crushed houses, crushed spirits, crushed spirits. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was a little anxious uh, oh, a couple of days ago. It was like I hear the tre- I see the trees swaying, and it's like, uh-huh. oh god, any moment one of those is gonna fall, dude. Dude, my old house, like we would have been killed probably. That oh old, yeah, our you old had, house. You had so many trees around that thing. It was incredible. Like, like these hundred foot trees just like swaying yep. in the wind above us, and yeah, yeah. But yeah, we did fine. It's just like we got, you know, I work from home, so I'm here anyway. But like Aaron was working from home for the whole week, which is cool, but also. We just felt pretty pent up for a long time. Yep. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's claustrophobic after a while. Claustrophobic. Sure. The kids were bummed because they're out of school for a week. And, yeah. you know, it's like they, they're cool with it for a while. But then after a while, they get bored and, you know, all that. I don't shit. know, man. I feel like as I get older, the disruption of the routine is like, it screws me up too, you know? And yeah. I, I, push, I push myself a lot to try to travel and do new things and stuff. But when I'm at home, I do have a routine. And when it gets screwed up, I get pissed off, dude. Well, I, I got mad because it's like, I just, okay, I'm, I'm going to get up, going to make my, my egg. Nope, can't make my egg. I'm going to have some <laughs> coffee. Nope, can't have coffee. Well, shit. Yeah, it's that kind of I'll stuff. Let's put yeah. on a record. Nope, can't do that. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. All the yeah, stupid exactly. shit that people go through. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, um, yeah, as always, check out the Earth and Sound merch store, all that. We have the, it's actually very appropriate. We have the I Hate Music scum design. Um, Turned out so good. Dude. Yeah, it's really good. Shirts and hoodies in stock. Uh, perfect for this You Suffer episode. Um, nice. Of course, we do have the playlist that's going. It's not really updated for this episode because this is a special short one. Um, so it still reflects the the Mortis episode. Uh, but I suppose I could throw you suffer in there just for fun. Maybe I'll do. Yeah. That. Well, I'm looking at your uh, your list here, and uh, there's a there's another song on there. I suffer more by. <laughs> I don't even well, know what that is. That's just basically. <laughs> I just searched up you suffer, and it came yeah. up with those. I suffer more by Elise Eklund. I don't know what that is. <laughs> But uh, it's four seconds, so I'm assuming yeah. it's a cover of some sort. We'll get into it later. I like the idea of like uh, of like a competitive suffering, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, well, you think you suffer? <laughs> yeah, you think your life's bad? Look yeah, at mine. Yeah, I suffer more, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into a couple uh, listener emails. Does that sound okay, Nick? That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple. Um, as always, if you have comments, questions, or corrections for Nick, not for me. But if you need to correct Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the one that's going to fuck up. Hate.pod.music at gmail.com. Um, I do have one correction I want to get into before I read the emails. Okay. Is So last time I mentioned the weird project that my friend Dan Hill and I had, uh, my friend Confederate hack guy that wrote in, and I called it Underpants Ahoy. Well, I'm going through this thing now where I'm going through like all of my four track demos and looking at them and I was wrong. It's called under things. Ahoy. So I'm just in case you were out there Googling that. Now you can find it. I'm surprised (laughs) I didn't get hundreds of emails from people correcting me. Yeah. We should do a whole episode about that Cleveland stuff that you're so into. Oh yeah. I mean, I would like to learn more about that too. Oh yeah. (laughs) We, We could get food on. He can, he can school us on all of it. Dude, that'd be amazing. Yeah, we should do that for sure. Um, so I got an email from my buddy Sebastian from Romania. He was the only one that wrote in about having an idea for a trivia question. Um, 
But I'm sorry, Sebastian. I didn't really like your idea. And honestly, I didn't really understand what, what you're getting at. So we're just going to move on. We had no good ideas for the trivia question. Uh, <laughs> but here's a good one. Okay. A good, good email. This is from Kyle Kraus. And the subject is Another Kyle Arrives. Holy crap. Really? Another one? Yep. It's an influx of Kyles. That's insane. So this one says, hello, Jason. I was listening to Liz pod and noticed that there are an influx of Kyles. So I wanted to throw myself into the mix. Like the other guy, I live near Pittsburgh. <clears throat> and then he goes on to say, bring Agalock to Mr. Smalls. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I can get some records signed. I'll even bring my worms in the keys LP. Attached to right. is a picture of me with Stu from King Gizzard. This could be you, he says. <laughs> So that's that's three different Kyles that have written in. So do you think it's now. a regional name, Kyle, from like 1985, 1990? There were like an yeah. influx of uh, Eastern or Midwestern women that were uh, naming their kids Kyle. What's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people that love to drink Monster Energy drinks and punch holes in, in drywall, you know, that type of shit. Yeah, Hang up drywall? Is that what he's no, saying? punch holes in drywall. Oh, punch holes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I only know one Kyle in my personal life, I think. So. Yeah, I knew a Kyle as well. It feels like that was a name that was popular for a while, but I doubt kids are being named that anymore. I don't think they are. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're well, all like like Cascade and like Willamette and shit, you know? <laughs> well, here they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> PBR Deschutes. <laughs> PBR, dude. Great name. Great name. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, Kyle, thanks for writing in. It's always good to get more Kyles on our team. Totally. Um, and this is our we last do a tribute to Kyle. Some kind of like oh, we should shirt design or like you know yeah, yeah. something. Yeah, Anything. like a, a mug or something. I don't know. That'd, yeah, that'd be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, coffee mug. Coffee yeah. mug. I hate Kyles. <laughs> That's a great idea. It is. Okay, last email. This is from somebody named Tamsin Cornelius. Nice. This person says, hi, I just listened to you talking about an ex-colleague who only went to Vader shows out of all metal. Yep. A decade ago, I was in a running club with a very preppy girl who didn't look even slightly alternative. She, too, said she had been to see Vader a number of times. I'm not sure if this was the only metal band she'd ever really engaged with, but certainly she said it was the only metal band she still cared about. Enjoying the podcast, Tamsin. What's up with this, dude? I think uh, it was Vader in, featured in a game or in a movie that Not we don't that know, I know about. of. I mean, they're they're. I don't want to say they're like second rate rate death metal, but they're like lower on the echelon of like popularity. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's what's so strange about it. Yeah. So I yeah I I don't know. I mean, none of that makes sense to me. Like, why Vader? they're from Poland, right? So yeah. maybe these are people that are obsessed with Poland or something. Who's obsessed with Poland? People who. Like Polish people, I guess. I don't know. Have you seen that bumper sticker? It says, keep Poland weird. I love that sticker. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. I love that, dude. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> Poland's, Poland's a bit strange. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Had some. I was there uh, in 2002. There. I was there in 2002, and I was, uh, at the time, I was trying to be vegetarian. I couldn't find any food, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> I was man. so stupid looking back. What was I doing? Yeah. Vegetarian in Poland. <laughs> I've had some good times in Poland, but. Uh, yeah, a little rough around the edges here and there. Totally. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's it as far as the emails go. 
Thanks, everybody, Night. for writing in. I, I love yeah, getting thanks. emails. It makes me very happy, especially for yeah. people named Kyle. So, Yeah, no kidding. All the Kyles, write to us, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's get into it, Nick. Um, All right. What are your thoughts on record collecting and collecting in general? Um, I know. For- okay, well, you know, going back uh, when there was no streaming, that was the only way, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you had to, like, go to the store and, like, look yep. at album covers and sometimes take risks on things and buy things. And yep. just so the, the accumulation of CDs was quite large in my life. Yeah, if you same. remember, if you remember, I had these uh, Tower Records stands. That's right. I actually got them from Tower Records. They were, like, getting rid of them or something. Yeah. And, uh, and I made the cards that had the labels on. That's right. Shit, you did. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like a record store going to my house. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. That was, so was cool. awesome. So, uh, you know, streaming began, uh, I felt like I, I, at the beginning of streaming, I felt like I kind of, um, had given the record companies a lot of money. So I felt okay with just like downloading and shit. That's so. how I felt too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they started to not be as important to me in the early 2000s. And then the great sell off began in like 2009, 10, 11. And then record collecting started. Oh, so there, there's just a collector's mentality that I yeah. think I have. Now yeah. it's cassettes and I collect VHS and stuff too. But uh, I don't think I'm unique in this, like this collecting as no. a metalhead kind no. of uh, thing. No. So. No, I don't think so. I think it's uh, probably more common than not, really, as far as the genres that we deal with. I think yeah, most people. But it is a, certainly a it's certainly a burden too, man. I it mean, is. It's, that's that's where I'm getting. I, you know, when I, I I mean I had the same trajectory. Like when I was in the 80s, 90s, into late 90s, early 2000s. You know, I I had I think before I sold them all, I had five or seven thousand CDs, something like that. Your collection was very impressive. It was at least two walls. Yeah. And it was it was stuff I was collecting since like the early to mid eighties, you know? Yeah. Um but then once CDs kinda became a little bit more obsolete with streaming and all like all the stuff that you said, I just found it to be like this burden. You know, I I moved across country a couple of times and it was like yep. boxes and boxes and boxes of heavy shit and Yeah, exactly. And then it kinda became just kind of uh I felt disheartened by the situation. It's like I I have like at least a few of these boxes of things that I haven't listened to in 10 years. Like why yeah, do I don't. still have this? Yeah. And even if it's like a, a record I love, like how many times am I going to listen to this in my life to like justify me moving with it, having it, having it occupy, occupy space, you know? Um, I don't know. I go through phases of that stuff. Sometimes I look at something that I know is uh, special to me or I collect it and I know is unique and maybe um, uh, maybe rare. It, it makes me feel good sometimes. Yeah, and me too. I damn want to get rid of this thing. So yeah. I'm not yeah, using it or I'm not doing anything. Somebody else could probably appreciate it more than I. Yeah. It's just collecting dust. But then I think two years later, I'm like, I'm so glad I still have this because I regret selling a lot of my CDs, dude. I regret selling a lot of that shit that I I got rid of, you know, sometimes I got but, rid of tons of cassettes and I have this uh, vision of going to the dump and like, I don't know why I didn't try to sell them, but I just threw them on the pile and they, they spilled out in a cascade towards me and it was very cinematic and it was yeah. sad. You now, and I remember yeah. buying each one of those tapes and, and yeah. now I'm fucking collecting tapes again, bro. So it's like, right. why did I do that? <laughs> so I regret it. 
don't but, know. But but why do you regret it? You do you regret it for like the nostalgia of it, or just because you you yeah, like being surrounded so. by these things? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes me feel good to like be surrounded by my hobbies. Maybe that's a hoarding mentality as well, you know. Well, I think there's a, I think it kind of plays into that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just like with my CDs, you know, I had walls and walls of CDs, and it made me feel good to like sit sit amongst them, and yes, be like, it's like does. this, it's like this lifelong collection of something I'm super passionate about. Um, that's right. And I, I still feel that, but I I feel it in, it's more complicated now for me. Um, yeah, it is. And it's more about striking a balance. I think I don't think we're ever going to get rid of all our vinyl and all our stuff, but maybe not letting it control our lives, especially if it talks us out of moving or talks us out of, you know, right. doing things because we are worried about hauling around all these boxes and shit. Well, and that's the thing is I, I have a completest uh, attitude for the most part with bands I love. I have to have everything. But I'm yeah. starting to like get myself out of that. Like I don't have to have this like reissue of a demo that sounds like shit with rehearsals on the other side you know yeah exactly um, oh there's a lot of that happening right now yeah, you know, tons of labels yeah things out. yeah and it's like well i could do that and then i mean it's gonna sit there and listen to it once and it's gonna sit there for the rest of my life and That's how right, many of those man. am i gonna have i'm not gonna throw on a fucking dark throne rehearsal on vinyl you know i'm just not going to <laughs> yeah exactly it'll sound like shit <laughs> yeah and then it's like you know even now i'm I've been pretty good about not buying shit constantly, but like, like I have records that I absolutely adore, like Rod and Christ yes. records that I absolutely adore. But like how many times in my life am I actually going to listen to that? And it's That's just right. sitting there. So, but also Do you think I, that uh, when vinyl started coming out and that started becoming more in our lives, I don't know when that was 10 years ago now or whatever, yeah. eight years ago. But that started like this frenzy. And I think for as sure. we were older, we have the money to do yep. it now too. And I started buying things that I wished I had when I was younger. Yeah, you know? same. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I went through this period when I first uh, got my, my newest record like set up like eight, 10 years ago, whenever that was, I yeah. bought everything I even remotely liked. It was like, oh, like this record, like the Buggles. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to buy that. Like, <laughs> like, like all these, like every Blue Oyster Cult record. Yeah, like yeah, th yeah. three bucks used. I'm going yeah, exactly. to buy all this shit. And it was like really fun. But then after a while, I'm like, I have a ton of records. And a lot of these I don't really even care about. I know, I know. So I've been getting. So you end up going through those. You're, you're getting rid of those. Oh, now, yeah. Right? I sell stuff. Constantly. More of a curated uh, yeah. collection. That's what I'm trying to do now is like more of a curated collection. Like, my favorite things, things that are important to me. Um, but I'm also have this attitude of, I, I look at it as more of like a living, breathing organism where in the yeah. past it was just like, this is my shit. Like I'm a dragon sitting on my pile of coins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now it's more like, I like to think of it as like, it lives with me for a little bit. And if it doesn't serve me anymore, then it moves on. And I like so that a lot. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of how it's working for me now. And I'm, I appreciate that. And it also makes me feel less bad about spending money on like an important, this record, an important, this record to me, a record that's <laughs> important to me. Like I yeah. got, I got disco Volante, the original pressing with the seven inch for like 80 bucks. It's a lot of money for one record for me, but I was like, but I sold like fucking like 10 yes records that I didn't want and paid for that. Yeah, disco exactly. Volante, You know, yeah, so I just look at it that way. Like things are always coming in, coming out. Um, it just takes up so much yeah, space I think, uh, too. 
for, for me, I think uh, like having a certain amount of space and not growing beyond it is kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. It's like, if I have a certain amount of racks, I, if I have more than that, I got to get rid of some shit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at too. I don't really think about it in those exact terms of space, but it is kind of what I'm doing at the same time. So, yeah, I just, I feel like I need boundaries for myself. Otherwise it gets out of control easy. And I, I don't know, you know, my wife would think that that's a hoarding mentality, but I think it's a collector's mentality. You know, there's a very fine line. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm on your side on this one, I think, but I do. Thanks, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, mean I, I do the same thing and, you know, yeah. I, I guess the last couple of years I've been a little bit disheartened by the process too, because like Despel Omega will come out with a new record. I love Despel Omega. I buy it right away. The record's awesome. Like the last album, one of my favorite metal records in the last few years. I get the record, listen to it once, put it on my yeah. shelf. And then it just sits there. Well, I mean, you, you probably that one time really had a good time looking at the packaging and maybe reading the lyrics and stuff. And yep. You wouldn't have had that brief moment of experience with no. Spotify. No. So, I don't know. Maybe it's worth no. it for that. Just that fucking uh hour of of your life right yeah. there where you get time yeah. with it well i think it is it is and i, I want to be clear i'm not i'm very much not saying that i'm against you know buying physical items it's quite the you're opposite. not a minimalist dude you're not a minimalist no no no, no. It, i mean it's quite the opposite i'm very much in support of of buying records and supporting the artists in that way um but i'm just more curious about how you manage that when you have you know like marty hill I mean, he's got like fucking records everywhere. I mean, like insane. And part of me yeah. loves that. Part of me loves that. Yeah. But part of me yeah. is like, that's not how my life operates. Like I can't live like that myself. So how do you strike that balance? You know, like how do you approach that? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, as we, like I said, we have a little more money now that we used to did not have. And uh, those things draw attention, you know, and if, if you're if you're doing it as like an investment or something, I don't know if it's going to pan out for you. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think that's a lot of justification, some of that rare shit. Right. And I have done that. I have bought a record and I've never I've never once purchased something with the intent of flipping it. But I have sold some things over the years that actually i sold for more than what i got them for um, when i was selling when i when we went through that purge of selling i think it was around i did mine a little after yours but yeah i was on some of these cds like these bay area thrash shit was selling so expensive it was like 60 bucks for the cd i couldn't believe it at the time yeah i sold a don slaughter son reissue like a reissue from Century media for 300 bucks on ebay Whoa. like what yeah. sense does that make you know i mean it's a reissue yeah, I, yeah it was weird yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and now like I'm I'm just doing vinyl. Like that's all I do. But you're into cassettes and VHS. I mean, uh, if you could see behind Nick, he's got walls of cassettes. You know, like, I do. I have a lot yeah. of cassettes right now. I'm really into it. I I don't know. I think I started justification of it with it's cheaper than vinyl, and it then uh, and I enjoyed like the reminiscing of throwing a ride of lightning and putting on your Walkman and just going for a walk is mm -hmm. it felt so fucking good. So I just started to feel that nostalgia. And I think it happened yeah. during COVID. I think I was just feeling so nostalgic for childhood and stuff during COVID. And I don't yeah. know if that was similar to a lot of what a lot of people were feeling, but uh, I started to like get crazy about cassettes and there's no redeeming quality to that. No, I mean, the sound is shitty and it's fucking, you yeah. know, the, the inlay card is not as pretty as like a CD, but right. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> but there is something to be said about throwing it in a Walkman and, you know. Oh, man. 
walking around. I mean, you could do the same thing with your phone and Spotify, but it's a different experience, you know? <laughs> totally, totally is, it's, yeah. It's, it's the ritual of it, just like putting the needle on a record, you know? Exactly, um, it's, exactly. It's that ritual. Uh, yep. Yeah, and that's interesting. Like, I haven't gotten in, into the cassette thing, and I don't think I will. I'm really, really trying to be very intentional with items in my life, and I'm I'm going through my studio right now and reorganizing and get, getting rid of stuff. Like, I have, like like broken pedals that I can't get rid of because like they were custom made for me or I toured Europe with them and they have these memories attached. It's like, well, am I just, is it just going to be a paperweight that sits in my studio forever then? Maybe. Yeah. It's like, almost like, know. it's almost like, like we're paying rent uh, or mortgages just to store our shit. You know? Yeah. Like how is all of our <laughs> shit? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense when you think about it it's like it's it's beyond like just a house for your body it's for your things yeah, it's for your shit Weird. just like george carlin always said a place for my stuff you know nice and that's <laughs> like i have you can't see it right here but i have a, a mixer over here that i've just been holding on to it's like, like an old 12 channel mixer like i never use it i'll never use it again but what do i yeah. do with it it just it's just yeah. sitting there yeah, it's probably quite an effort to try to get rid of it. You know, you can't just go to Goodwill and probably take it. You know, you no. want to have it go to a good home. But. Well, and that's and that's that's the, the next part I wanted to talk about is a lot of these things. Part of the reason I struggle with it is because I I these things are are special. I don't want to just throw them away, so, yeah. or donate them to Goodwill. So, like, if I have like this mixer, I want to see if somebody else can use it, or if I have like. 20 band shirts i don't want to just donate them to goodwill i want to try to get those to good people that are gonna want them you know well you're i mean you're selling some now and you're selling them yep. for so cheap that it's like yeah why wouldn't somebody buy it <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty much i'm just looking for like postage you know basically yeah. like i'm not trying to make money off of it really um yeah but yeah i've been posting them on facebook and like hey i've got this old shirt that i don't wear anymore it doesn't fit me or whatever don't need it yep and people get off on that sometimes um and they'll buy them but uh, I just don't want to, you know, I just don't want to throw those Goodwill. And then Goodwill has like some disharmonic orchestra t-shirts. Like it just doesn't, you know, <laughs> somebody out there would appreciate it. And then, but that's also kind of like a weird justification of keeping your shit too, you know? That's right. I mean, uh, what what if you did give it to Goodwill? It'd be pretty amazing if you or I were in there and saw that. Oh, know? I'd love that. <laughs> I mean, I think it'd be so random. I mean, it'd make more sense to go to like Buffalo Exchange or something like that, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But... Like kids, you know, kids are wearing Iron Maiden shirts. They don't know who the band is. So maybe they'll wear it. Somebody will wear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I would think so. But, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, you know, I want it to go to someone that would like it. So that's a whole yeah. other thing but yeah i'm going through my shit i'm I'm selling records all the time i'm just trying to Good. like pare down um yeah. you know in the next couple of years my wife and i would like to get into a smaller place maybe maybe closer nice. into town so i'm kind of prepping for that i want to focus on travel more i want to focus on experiences more um paying for experiences is much 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 better yeah than paying for material things yeah yeah so that's kind of where I've been at with it. Um, sounds like you're, you struggle with kind of the same issues. That yeah. And I think it'll always be a struggle. I don't think it's going to change for me, but uh, I go through phases of all this shit is <clears throat> bringing me down. I'm going to get rid of it. And then sometimes I regret that, you know, but right. uh, I think there's just a balance I got to find, you know? Yeah. And, you know, at the moment I have a little bit of space here and I could kind of put some things in it, but it's nothing I'm attached to. The shit burns down. That's fine. Yeah. Right. I mean, do you have anything in your collection 
of records, tapes, VHS, or anything that would be like completely irreplaceable that you would be like genuinely upset about? I don't think so, unless you were talking about like you know demos that we made in the '90s and stuff. But I have an Iron Maiden box set. It's the first ten years they put this mm-hmm. out uh, in 1990, and I bought the vinyl of that, and it was like 250 bucks or something. Yeah, it's probably worth a lot more than that now, and that's really special to me. I don't know. I've got Chuck Schuldiner's autograph on like a yeah. little business card and shit like that. Uh-huh. Those are way more important than any of like the physical media, you know, right. autograph well, stuff. How about the stuff that you're on? Like you said, the demos. You mean like demos that you've made? Yeah, yeah. you know, stuff from the '90s. Not on Spotify or something. You know, yeah. that kind of. Yeah, that would be pretty sad. I'd probably get over it pretty quickly. But yeah. you know, when I die, who's gonna fucking give the give a shit about this stuff? Right. Who's gonna go in a dump somewhere? So yeah, I'll make sure of it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean... you can have a pick of any of this shit. <laughs> Take all my cassettes, dude. <laughs> but I think about that too. I think for me, it's kind of the same deal. Like just stuff that I've created myself. If I were to lose those somehow, like obviously I've got a pretty great Agalot collection. (laughs) And, you know, if I, if I didn't have my pale folklore box set anymore, um, that would just suck. Like these are like really rare items. I don't feel like I should have to like buy them on eBay, you know, for a thousand bucks from somebody else. Um, Yeah, exactly. So like if somewhere when to like steal those or if I lost them in a fire or something like that would be a bummer. Yes. Um, but everything else is, you know, it's, I'm not that attached to it. I agree. And I think it's just, you know, finding that balance, like we're talking about, if you yeah. move into a smaller place, you're gonna have to get rid of some things and you probably, you know, once uh, a couple of days go by, you probably won't really regret it. You know? Yeah. When I did my big CD purge, I don't think I've once regretted it. Um, I think I had a yeah. few CDs. A couple of I, I got rid of those. Just like, uh, just like demos. I don't remember now. I can't even think of anything specific. So I'm yeah. not going to speak. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've really had any issues with that. Um, but I'm sure there's been some times here and there, but nothing profound enough for me to remember at this point, for sure. Well, it's almost like now I have to think about every show I go to, I almost purchase something, you know? Me too. And, and the shirt, whether it's a shirt or tape or mm. at uh, Blood Incantation, I got their VHS. I mean, it's awesome, but. Yeah. So it's, and I feel like it's a way to support bands. And I don't know if that's accurate or what, but I think it is. So it is. It is. For me, it's worth it at, at this point in my life to still buy stuff. So I have to just be careful, I guess. Yeah. I almost always buy something at every show. I try to, to support the artists. And most of the time for me now it's t-shirts. Um, yeah. If I like the record, I'll buy the record, but I usually don't buy it at the show. Like I'll already have it usually. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I always try to buy a shirt to, cause I know how that works and to support the artist and all that. Um, but sometimes, you know, if it doesn't fit right or I don't really like the design, I'll wear it a few times and then I'll, give it to somebody or you know move on or you know sell it that's the thing it's like most of the ones i buy now i'm a taller guy and like the the they're wide the double xl is wide so it doesn't really fit it looks like a baby shirt on me sometimes yeah. like, damn it <laughs> and you never know other other times i bought a shirt it's like it's an amazing shirt so there's you yeah, never know i mean i have the same yeah. i have the same problems i'm not as tall as you are but uh i do have similar issues and that's why i started doing the earth and sound stuff because i was like i ruined really nice like well-made high quality shirts um nice. and I, I love my shirts like they fit really well but uh 
yeah, sometimes I get these shirts and it's like I wash it twice and then I can't wear it again because it's all stretched out or it feels super rough. Sometimes yep. the designs are so crappy too. I'm like, what is this bullshit on this <laughs> shirt? Like, Remember that uh, one in Baltimore? I bought the Demolition Hammer. It had like a wolf on the front and then it had some kind of like yeah. hydro, hydro uh, oh, depth. Right. A quote on the back it had nothing to do with the cover it's like what's going on here yeah it was like fear of water or something on the back yeah, yeah it was yeah. weird That's... <laughs> yeah that was really weird <laughs> but i like the idea of like taking the old shirts and making a quilt now i've thought about this before yeah, and i have yeah. no sewing skills but it'd be cool to make a huge ass blanket of like all the old shirts that we used to wear yeah well i've told you my my aunt used to do that she she gave me a couple giant quilts of like my old death metal shirts from the nineties. That's amazing. I forgot about that. I'm sorry. That's amazing. That's probably where I got the idea. I got it from you. Damn. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but also like, it's a great idea, but then there again, it's just another, like you're taking these things that are something yeah. that you could give away or sell. And then it's like, now I have this giant quilt of carcass. You shirts. cannot sell that because you're dead. And right. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not dead. She's still around. But I, I did give them away because I moved oh. when I moved from Portland to Minneapolis that one time. I just left them because I, I couldn't take them. I moved on a Greyhound. I like shipped my CDs and put my base on my back and jumped on a Greyhound. And so I just left the the quilts there. So that's so, like an age old story, you know? Isn't it? Like, it's yeah, the origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the death metal quilts in the closet. <laughs> yeah. So who had who ended up with them? I don't know. Mm. Probably some tech bro in Vancouver right now is. He's got it on his wall, yeah. pretending he's he's cold or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this entire quilt of carcass shirts. <laughs> I'm leaning into being more edgy this year, so I'm gonna put this shit on my yeah. wall. <laughs> I mean, it seems like cool stuff, you know. Yeah. Some like disturbed type of shit. All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about you suffer for a second. You wanna? Oh, great track, great track. Okay, um, I'm gonna play the album version of you suffer. Okay. Now, why are we talking about this? What's the? Uh, what were you thinking about this song? Well, for? okay, I mean, I guess that's that's a good thing to say. Um, the, I mean, it's it's an interesting song, right? I mean, it's what? It's four seconds. Uh, at one point in time, it was in the Guinness Book World Records as being the shortest song. It still might be. I don't know. Um, but in 2019, I started asking guests that were on this podcast. I would play them the song and then look for a reaction. And some people knew what it was immediately, and some people didn't know what it was. And I played it for my family and got reactions, you know. And I just thought it would be a cool idea to do, like, an episode, kind of like VH1 style, where you hear the song and then you hear a reaction. It's like Scott Ian talking about something, you know, and then you play it again and then it's like it's somebody else. It's always Scott Ian, dude. It's what always Scott Ian, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, not on this one. Um, no. But I thought that would be cool. Be... And I got, a, I got a handful of reactions and then COVID hit. And then I wasn't yeah. having people in my studio to record anymore. So it's just yeah. been on the back burner. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to maybe have that combined with one of these shorter episodes that we're doing. Nice. Um, so... I have basically this clip now that is it's reactions of people from 2019 in my studio. And then I also decided to ask a bunch of people a couple days ago for reactions. So I have reactions coming in from a variety of people that I haven't received yet, but obviously by the time this episode comes out, 
it's going to be a nice like uh, menagerie collage of you suffer and reactions at the end of the episode. Um, nice. The ones I do have from 2019 in my studio are from uh, our good friends, uh, Casey, Casey CP. Uh, nice. There's an old one from you, Nick. Nice. Um, <laughs> my daughter is Ioni and Ellery. Uh, Mr. Don Anderson is on there. Cool. Uh, a couple other people are on there, and I have some coming in from some people that were pretty pinnacle in the scene at the time. And I'm hoping to get some insight onto maybe people that were actually there when that was being made. So we'll see if that happens or not. I'm not going to say wow. anything because I'm not holding my breath that it'll happen. Well, uh, that would be amazing. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that would be a cool experiment. And since it kind of got pushed by the wayside, I thought it would be cool for us to talk about it a little bit. And then I can play that at the end. Um, let's listen to it real quick. And okay. then um, well, let's discuss. All right. Okay, I'll go. Get, I'll go pour a coffee and get ready for this. Yeah, yeah. Song. Yeah. Go to the bathroom. Come back. <laughs> All right. Here we are. Album version of "You Suffer" by Napalm Death off the record "Scum." There it is. There it is. You suffer, Napalm Death. It'd be cool to be a DJ and like, you know, use. Yeah, you you'd have to build it up and then you'd be right back in a second, one second. Yep. Bam. The Just... time, the timing says four seconds, but it's only one second. Okay. Let's, let's try that again. I, I think yep. you're right. It says four seconds, but it's like a second and a half or something. Let's try it again. Yeah. I think it was like one second. What do you think they're saying in there? Or what are they saying? They say you suffer, but why? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a that's an interesting question, right? But why? Like, it's a choice, right? I mean, sometimes it is a choice. That's true. Okay, that's true. So let's listen to "You Suffer" Part Two. This okay. is on Napalm Death's. Uh, what do you call it? The Peel Sessions. All right. Oh, cool. You ready for this? Let's do yep. it. Well, the reverb, the reverb makes it even longer. It clocks in in about 14 seconds because of the reverb. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty great. Um, so the thing that I talked to about the people in 2019 was kind of like, okay, it's easy to see this as a gimmick, right? It's just like something gimmicky or fun or cute, silly, whatever. But can there be like a, a deeper statement to this? Um, you know, of course... Don had some really profound things to say about it in relation to contemporary classical musicians like John Cage and things like that. Um, yeah. And I think those are all, you know, very valid points. Um, but I, I find things like this interesting because it is so easy to dismiss. Um, and I don't want to like say that, you know, Napalm were trying to do anything super highbrow or artsy with this, but it is interesting to look at these things in a different way rather than just like dismissing them. Uh, do, you... do you think it was some sort of uh, homage to the hardcore scene because yeah. bands were doing, you know, DRI was doing this and yep. in the mid eighties and stuff. So yep. I don't know. And I mean, uh... Napalm comes from the hardcore scene and, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I think it goes with all that. I mean, I think it is supposed to be like somewhat silly and stuff, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's just always interesting to know if people get more out of it or if they think it's provocation, you know, um, 
I don't remember what you said in 2019, but you did bring up DRI when I played it for you then. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. I love DRI. I love DRI. But uh, it's interesting to think about, like, what is the shortest song also? Yeah. <laughs> like, we can make a really short one. Really short. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's but that's kind of the beauty of this. I mean, like, you and I could literally just go, blah, and then, oh, there's yeah. a short song. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because, like, they're they're not just pounding on their instruments. They're actually playing something. Like, if you listen to different versions, it's very similar. Like, they know what they're doing. It's not just total bullshit. Um which I, f I, f I find interesting, too. Like, they actually, even if it is, like, two notes or something, they composed this to a degree, yes. you know? Well, like the Ballad of Jimi Hendrix, you know? Or exactly, or exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you you brought up S.O.D., too, last time. <laughs> of course I did. Of course I did. That's so predictable. Holy shit. Yeah, so um, one thing I do want to play here is this is really cool. Uh, my good friend Andy Whale from Bolt Thrower, you may remember him, Mm -hmm, um, definitely. He sent me this video clip of Napalm Death from 1986. And he said that as far as he is aware, this is the original version of You Suffer, which is a little bit longer. So, wow. Yeah. How does he have this? Uh, just because he was there, you know, and yeah. he knows this shit. And I mean, it's on, it's on YouTube. It's not like a hidden thing. But okay. he's, he's like, this is, this. as far as he knows, the original version. So I'm going to. I'm going to play this real quick, except I have to switch tabs. Okay, so this is a little bit longer. Live Birmingham, 1986. Yep, Live <laughs> Birmingham, 1986. Crazy. Uh, so, yeah, so thanks to Andy Whale for sharing this. This is, this is pretty cool. Um, yeah. All right, here we go. You, you suffer. There you go. Very different version. Yeah. Very different. I mean, I want to say it kind of has the same spirit. It's just like super short and fast and noisy but uh yeah they had I, different lyrics it sounded like too it's hard to say you know but it, it did sound different um but it's kind of interesting that they would start with it being however long that was i don't know like 10 seconds or so and then like no we're gonna you know on the album we're gonna do it like a, a second and a half yeah it evolved to go shorter and shorter yeah yeah <laughs> that's kind of funny but uh that is funny. yeah super cool input there uh thanks andy that's awesome yeah, thank you, Andy. Um, in the little montage I have at the end, I found a couple of different uh, live versions, too, and I've kind of spliced them in there, too. There's one from some British TV show that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, and so people hear that. Were they, were they talking about it in the context of it being the shortest song in the world or something? Or No, it was more like, uh, here's Napalm Death on... BBC or something like that. Nice. And uh, they played more than just You Suffer, but there's You Suffer on there too. I uh, see. You know, this is, we're talking obviously like Lee Dorian, Bill Steer uh, era. I think Justin Broderick was on what we just listened to, right? Wasn't he? 
I don't know the lineup, uh, dude. I can't. No, this is no. No, I don't think so. That's definitely McHarris. Uh, Eighty-six, dude. They were like teenagers, infants, <laughs> infants. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so some some cool live versions on there, and I just happened to stumble across something that looks like a cover of "You Suffer." It's called "I Suffer More" by someone named Elise Eklund. Let's check that out real quick. I suffer more. <laughs> so good. Cool. That's so de- good. That's definitely a tongue-in-cheek cover of sorts. That's pretty funny. It's like a Gen X version of it, you know? Yeah. I suffer more. Yeah. Oh, Gen Z. Sorry. Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. I don't Gen know Z. all the gen- I can't keep track of all the generations. I know. So. Oh, yeah. We're Gen X, dude. Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z. <laughs> are, we, are we X? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I thought we were Y. <laughs> I, Damn it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, we're not boomers, though. That's all I know. We're the Pepsi generation, dude. <laughs> yeah, and the MTV generation. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the episode, I'm going to put in that that little uh, You Suffer thing. Um, and please enjoy that. And let's move on to a segment. Did you have a fuck, Mary kill, Nick? Fuck, Mary kill. What would you fuck? What would you marry? What would you kill? I did because uh, this is less than a less of fuck Mary kill of more of a what would the order what would your lineup order be if you were the booking agent for 1992's U.S. campaign for musical destruction tour? Oh shit! Which was, which was Napalm, Carcass, and Cathedral. What order would you put those bands? If I had to pick a certain order for each night, I gotcha. Um, yeah. Like I, they're coming to Portland and they right. leave it to you to decide who's a headliner. Yeah. That's, oh, that's a great question. I think with that tour and most tours like that, they alternate, right? I think each night. They, I don't know if they did in this one. I'm not sure, I'm actually. Not, I'm not sure either. I, I think Napalm was headlining that. But. Okay. So remind me, it's Napalm, Carcass. Carcass and Cathedral. And and Brutal Truth was on this lineup too. Can you believe that? Brutal dude? Truth. Yeah. What? We're talking the campaign for musical destruction here, right? Yep, 1992. Carcass Napalm Cathedral. So 92, that is... Yep. That's necroticism, because that's before Heartwork. Yep. That is Utopia Banished? I think so. Got to look at that. Yeah, and Cathedral, it would be uh, Ethereal Mirror. Did that come out by then? Yeah, because it, it came out when I was in high school, for sure. Okay, so yeah, amazing, amazing. That's a pretty crazy lineup. Well, f- for me, it would be, uh, I just think it would be Cathedral, Napalm, and then Carcass. What? Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm surprised, because Necroticism is like our favorite album, dude. I'm surprised that that wouldn't be no, at no, the top. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Run, running to, order. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Open open with cathedral move on to napalm move on to carcass carcass exactly playing yeah i agree with that completely yeah Yeah. for sure for sure for sure i i think that that would be a little bit i mean it makes a little bit of sense like historically um because you know cathedral lidorian napalm that whole relationship um 
carcass over napalm might be a little problematic for some people, but uh, <laughs> but for me, as far as like who I like the best, even though it's a really tough one. I mean, I adore all three of those bands. Oh yeah. Imagine that tour, man. You didn't get to see that obviously. No, no, I didn't get to see that. Uh, And brutal truth. Like that's, they're so not, I'm just, I don't care about brutal tooth. Yeah. They had a, uh, you know, they had a following. I think napalm brutal truth is, seems like a pretty good pairing for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And I, I definitely, appreciate brutal truth they just never hit me for whatever reason yeah me either and remember they were on like every tour back then too. oh man they yeah played a lot yeah yeah <laughs> it seems sure. like neurosis and brutal truth were on like every tour <laughs> it really does yeah um i feel like broken hope was on a lot of tours around then too yeah for sure i feel like i saw them a, a few times but uh they're they're gonna be at uh mdf yes Bro- broken hope are yeah i'm excited okay. for that God, I haven't seen them since Milwaukee Metal Fest 94, I don't think. so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, been a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, that that would have been an amazing tour to see. Of course, that's yeah. in the Grind Crusher tour, too. Yes. Oh, God, amazing. And I think the Campaign for Musical Destruction tour, they had an American version and an, a European version. Yeah, I don't I know think. how the lineups differed. This was the U.S. version. Um, I, I looked that like, up earlier. I feel like... <laughs> I could be wrong and I could be getting grind crusher confused, but I thought confessor was on the campaign for musical destruction too. Nice. I can't remember though, but yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, that's an awesome question. So you agree with me? That'd be the same. I do. Yeah. Yeah. My choice would be the same carcass headlining, then napalm, then cathedral. Yeah. Nice. What about, uh, well, Maybe another good one sometime would be the the Grind Crusher one. Off the top of my head, that was that was Carcass, uh, Bolt Thrower, Entombed. Maybe. Uh, yeah, man. I, We'd I, have I to look that up. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. That was a long time ago. I saw uh, Anthrax open up for Volbeat, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Where did you see that? I was in Spokane. I saw that. Oh, yeah. man. Because Volby was turned into some kind of arena rock at some point. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on here? And then yeah. Anthrax is opening up. Like, what's happening? I kind of liked their one record, that machine. Uh, what's the one record called? Yeah, Gangsters and yeah. Gangster Blood Machine something. Yeah. They they had a couple of good, they mean, like Metallica-esque riffs for sure. Yeah. That asshole song was kind of fun. That's right. Yeah, that's one of their hits, I think. Yeah. And did you see uh, Creator and Anthrax are doing this headline? But Testament's opening for that, which is interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Creator and Anthrax together is a really interesting lineup. Like, that's strange. Two different ends of the spectrum as far as thrash goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, What uh, what are you wearing? T-shirt of the day. It's T-shirt of the day. It's a t-shirt of the day. What are you wearing? Let's find out. It's a t-shirt of the day. Uh, let's see what I got here. Oh, it's my uh, Portland suicidal shirt. Oh, shit. That's awesome. I wish I had one of those. That's so cool. Yeah, they had... So the merch line was Agalock-esque. It yeah, was large. Huge. Yeah. yeah, and so by the time I got up there, all they had were double X, and I'm an XL right now. Yeah. So I got the double X, a little wide on me, but yeah. it's pretty awesome. They made unique ones for the Portland show. That's so cool. 
I'm rubbing my nipple right now. I can tell. Yeah, I can see that. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's see. I don't even remember what I'm wearing, honestly. Let's see. I'm wearing a sculptured hoodie. Nice. Uh, oh, Whoa! Napalm Death, Harmony Corruption. <laughs> That's appropriate. Yep. Totally forgot about that. They're yeah. great live, dude. Fucking Napalm yep. is amazing live. Holy yeah. shit. Barney's still got it, dude. He's running around like a madman. Oh, up man. There. Yeah. Yeah. He's running around like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tons of energy. Yeah. Love, love Napalm. Like, so great. I am going to go on a limb here and say that I feel like they're a better live band than studio band. Interesting. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we could have a whole show about like who's better live than, than in this. Oh, that's true. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one for Napalm. They're so different now than they were. I mean, Brian doesn't really growl anymore. It kind of does that like hardcore shout. Um, that's what I'm talking about. I think is more of like, I like to hear their new stuff. I don't mind hearing their new stuff live, but I uh, haven't really been paying attention or being a big fan of their newer stuff. So I haven't listened to their records in a very long time. Yeah, exactly. Very long time. Yep. Very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> very long time. That's very a long time. time. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nick, I think it's about time we wrap this up. Yeah. That's, that was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Um, as always, uh, visit the website, earthandsound.org. Uh, check us out on Spotify. Give us a rating or so. Subscribe. You can donate to the podcast through Linktree to help us with overhead costs like hosting, um, microphones, new glasses for Nick, like whatever you know, whatever we might need. I'm getting old, dude. I need glasses all the time. Now. Yeah. Really Every week he needs a new, new prescription. So if you could donate, that would help us out a lot. I need them in the car. I need one. Like, <laughs> yeah. I need every, every table. I need uh -huh. everywhere. <laughs> we should make some, I hate music, uh, eyeglasses. Yeah, we should. I mean, most of our fans are probably old. So. Probably. You're all, all these Kyles are fucking old. <laughs> yeah, they are for sure. <laughs> yeah. Check out the playlist, even though it's, you know, more about the Mortis episode. If you haven't checked the Mortis episode out, that's a more robust, uh, voluptuous, and curvy episode. You should check that one out. Very, very happy, very proud of that one. And I believe that we're recording again in like a week or so, a little over a week. Yep. Um, God, lots of shit coming up after that. We've got uh, Agalock Show, February 17th, San Francisco with Dawnbringer. Dawnbringer's first and last show on the West Coast ever. Um, and big news as of today, I Hate Music Podcast is traveling to Hell's Heroes Fest in March in Houston, yeah, Texas. Yeah. Dude. We're both headed down there for three days or a little bit more actually, but uh, going to go yeah. check out some Candlemass, Solitude Eternus, Queensryche, Autopsy doing Severed Survival in its entirety. I didn't even know about that until today. Demolition Hammer. Um, so many great bands are playing this thing. I'm so excited. Dawnbringer, uh, Night, my, my buddy Avinash's band, Night. Um, yeah. I'll, I can't even think of all of them. A lot of great yeah, shit. Yeah, me either. Oh, Forbidden. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about Forbidden. Nice. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're headed down for that. And then uh, next weekend, I'm going to be at the Grammys. Uh, be down there for a long weekend. And then, um, yeah, I think after after this Grammy experience, I'd like to talk about that a little bit, too. Yeah, and, definitely. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, we've got lots of ideas coming up. Lots of shit. Uh, visit us, rate us, donate, and uh, please write us at hate.pod.music at gmail.com. Thanks again, Nick. Yeah, no problem. Good to see you as always. Thanks for doing yep. this remotely. This worked out pretty rad. I think so. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon.
Bye. Bye. You have all the pieces of a song. It sounds like music. How <laughs> 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 am I supposed to? Well, there's guitar. There was everything. Vocals, drums. What's it come in at? Two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah. That's all you need. Do you think the crowd was just like chanting, you suffer? Come on, play it. It's like they're free bird. Oh, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, that was like my favorite song ever. So it's like, oh, you suffer by not hearing the rest of the song. Like you only get a little bit of it. Is it the shortest song ever? How long is it? Like, yeah, I don't think that's the shortest song ever. I'm sorry to break really? it to you. What? Well, I just think it's really easy to top two seconds. Hello, this is John Rosenthal of Invisible Oranges and Decibel Magazine. And You Suffer is great because it is the most extreme napalm death song in their entire discography. Like you can you can say they go faster or they they're heavier, but nothing beats just the unbridled explosion of 2 seconds of just kinetic energy. I I loved it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Like Awesome. Except I'm the only downside is that I'm kind of disappointed. I thought it would be shorter. Like Yeah, I mean 2 seconds. Like Napalm Death, 2 seconds is really easy to beat. I did it. <laughs> And I have heard your song, like, m not even a minute ago. And I already topped it. Sorry, do it again. Wait, how can you not say you suffer? Like, how is it shorter than saying you suffer if he says you suffer in the song? Okay, okay. okay. It's kind of sudden because it's just like, ah, all of a sudden. Right. It kind of, like, surprised me. Well, you just blasted it in my ears, and I want to say you suffer really fast and get in the Guinness World, World Records. You suffer. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> I said it before the song even started to play. Beat that, Napalm Death. I love it. That's probably my favorite right? death metal song. It's what song is shorter than that? Um, it doesn't have a cello in it, it so... Have a cello. I don't know. That isn't a good thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Concentrate. Oh, it's an epic, that one. All right, uh, we uh, probably have to leave pretty soon. But before we do, before we do, I'd like to say a big thanks to all of you for coming down tonight. Thank you all very much. Appreciate it. And uh, also to uh, Scalplock and Matt for supporting us. Fantastic. Thank you. And finally, as I said at the start of the set, for you for coming down it's, uh, and supporting sort of good welfare for animals, whether you're vegetarian or not, it matters. And everyone starts at the same time and stops at the exact same time. Here we go.
Yeah. I think it's kind of like reverse psychology Mm -hmm. because he wants you to think that he's saying um you suffer but you don't really know so that's making you suffer and that's why it's called (laughs) you suffer that's great and also on the live version i like how they have the um like drumsticks oh like the click in yeah yeah a bit too angry for me, a bit too aggressive, a bit too doom-laden, a bit too subversive. So let's lighten the mood here a little. Madness on the BBC. Was that it? Yep, basically. How how come songs that are so short? I mean, well, them sort of songs don't represent the band as it is today. I mean, like, that was, like, short and to the point for a purpose. What what were the lyrics in that? Um, You suffer, but why? I mean, it's about three or four years old, that song. I mean, like, it's about three or four years old. What sort of songs are you doing now? Longer songs? Yeah, I mean, basically we put... More death metal songs? Yeah. Yeah. You've got some brilliant lyrics. I mean, real poetry, your pride. Why should you pride... Why should your pride be so restricted? Restricted to a mere fraction of this earth. This earth from which we all have evolved. I mean, like, real, like, deep lyrics. Mm. You can't hear them. Why? Well, I mean, when when I'm actually singing, the words are running around in my head. But, I mean, the music's so loud and aggressive, it's sort of... I don't know, you just, just get into it and just the way they, you react to it, I mean... It's an aggressive words, style of music. The words so might not be decipherable, but they are really That's the point of the lyric sheet. Because, yeah, you know, yeah, obviously, I mean, you know, we have to have a lyric sheet or else there's no point having lyrics. There's no, we don't pretend that anyone can understand them, mm-hmm. you know, when we're actually playing. But why just try and fit so many words into like, such a... Well, it's the same with every, every instrument. I mean, there's, like, so many wrists fitted in, so many beats fitted into it. I mean, yeah. you can't have the vocals one step behind or something, can you? Yeah. Well, look, they're rooting, they're tooting, they're electrocuting. I mean, this is music for young lovers. Step aside, Kylie Minogue. Turn up the TV, plug in your pacemaker, don't get out of breath. Ladies and gentlemen, Napalm Death. It sounds different. It sounds like... It sounds like he's saying blue eyes. It could be SOD. It could be carcass. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your gut? Uh, who it is? Yeah. Or, yeah, I think it's napalm. Yeah, it is. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, napalm deaths. You suffer. Nice. Yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. It's uh, quick and to the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you nailed it right away. You're like, oh, napalm death or. Well, yeah. yeah. Kings of short songs. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> You'll be talking. <laughs> I was worried about talking over it. <laughs> you didn't, though. Um, Do you want me to replay it so you can yeah, talk over it? Yeah, what was that? It? Let me hear it again. You want to hear it again? Well, what I was trying to say was... <laughs> See, you did it! It's great. <laughs> um, Do you recognize it? Yeah, of course. Um, it's you suffer. Yes. But why? But why? Wasn't that... that uh, the last part was in parentheses, wasn't it, on the liner notes? I, I believe so, but if you listen closely, he, he does say it. He does? Yeah, listen you really sure? closely. Okay. Yeah, that's how a lot of those grind vocals seem to be. They cram a lot of words into a, a phrase. Yeah. Um, what do I think about it? What do you think? Do you think it's a novelty? Do you think there's anything uh, more than novelty with it? Mm. I don't think it's any more of a novelty than something like Cage's 433, you know, right. Silence or something. Because I think you can easily look at that and, and make all kinds of 
come to any kind of theoretical, you know, people would say read too much into it or, or whatnot. Um, cause I think that kind of song length on one hand took hardcore punk in this case, grindcore to its logical extreme of stripping down and stripping down things, even in terms of time. Exactly. And so it fits with the overall project of what grindcore was. And there's also, I think, clearly an antagonistic element of writing a song that's like five seconds long. Definitely. And then was popularized by, you know, like Anal Kant. Right. And so many other... The Meat Shits. The Meat Shits and a lot of those sort of grindcore bands. Dylan Neal of Thief here to talk about Napalm Death's one-second masterpiece, You Suffer. I think it's a little... I think the track is a little longer. It's like three or five seconds, but the song is a second. Um, It's amazing. They spoofed grindcore before grindcore was even established. I mean, that album is, I think, fair to say, the first grindcore album. Um, And they were already turning it on its head. Um... You know, stuff like that is easy to do nowadays because the tropes are well established. Uh, but they did it before it was even a thing. Um, I think even at one point it had the Guinness Book of World Records set for it being the shortest song. I don't know if that was ever true. I just remember uh, learning about that when I was younger and first getting into. Shh, hey, be quiet. I don't fucking care. And, um, yeah, I'm, I remember seeing Napalm Death for the first time in the early aughts when I was uh, a teenager, and they played that. And it was just the funniest fucking thing ever. I'm sure they play it all the time. I, that was the only time I'd seen them, though. Um, and it's also a breath of fresh air, like, in a genre where a lot of bands take themselves super seriously with 10-minute compositions, and here comes Napalm Death just having a laugh and turning it all on its head. Um, and that's one of the things that makes metal great is they'll just fuck with anything, any standards, because metalheads are bastards and contrarians, um, and that's one of the things that has helped keep metal fresh and growing and alive. Um, or at least it u- used to. Um, and to be a m- little more pretentious, I wanna, I'll wanna i draw the comparison to John Cage's 4 minutes and 33 seconds, where, you know, it's... he's They're not doing the same thing where it's this serious art piece creating the environment as the you know, as the composition, but it does sort of fuck with the concept or the idea of what a song is and what it can be. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. I love, I hate music. Goodbye. I think it, 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 it easily becomes a novelty. And I think it. I think it. Okay. I don't think it was a novelty when it first happened because I think mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was a part of context. It was. It was breaking a boundary. It was questioning what constitutes a song. What constitutes you know an appropriate song length. And so I think when they did it, it wasn't 
uh, a gimmick. Um, you know, because like on the opposite side is I think it's Morton Feldman's second string quartet is six hours long. Right. And then you have someone like Bellatar's Satan Tango film being what, like eight hours, isn't it? Is it eight? Well, there's even uh, what's there's, there's a movie that's like fourteen hours long, you know, or like Andy Warhol's Sleep, which is just a man sleeping. You mm-hmm. know? So there's all these things that I think it's very easy to intellectualize over them because they invite you to to do that. You can project all kinds of ideas on that. So I think now it's a gimmick. Then it was provocative. I mean, that's true with most things. Things start out provocative and then they become recycled and appropriated and lose that because they're no longer in that same context. But in 1986, 87, whenever Scum came out. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it meant something so much more in 87 than it does in 2019 or even 1991. It does, and I think you're right about the context. I think the context is really important with this. Uh, In the context of the album Scum, it doesn't stand out quite as much. But when I play you a second and a half piece of music, it really stands out. Napalm Deaths You Suffer, what song more epitomizes grindcore than this one? It's impossibly short, a single burst of 1.3 seconds of energy, maybe a little bit more than that. If I remember correctly, the first time I heard it, I thought it was a defect on the dub cassette I had. Uh, Then when I finally got Scum, which must have been in late 1990, I thought it wasn't a defect at all, but an actual song, which the band later exposed to be pure jest. To be honest, I didn't think much of it at the time. I was more into, you know, the usual earache staples of Carcass, Bolthorn, and Tombed. Um, but to this day, I still find it hilarious that Eric actually put money behind it, or some money anyway. Uh, the gimmick paid off. Uh, here we are today talking about it, along with a bevy of uh, YouTube videos, uh, reaction videos, cover songs by uh, you name it. Uh, but the sickest part I, version I actually heard was at Decibel's 100th issue celebration show in Philly in 2013. Uh, Napalm invited Albert on stage to co-chair the vocals with Barney. Then they blasted their little hearts out for 1.3 seconds. It was a great homage from Napalm to Decibel back to Napalm. Yeah, I mean, no one's listening to You Suffer. No one's like, let's throw on You Suffer. No. You know, I know they, I think they still play it live. They do. Uh, and I've, I find that interesting because if you listen to the recording and you listen to live versions, they're very similar. It's not yeah. like they're not just pounding on their instrument. They are actually doing something. No, I think it's a chord. Yep. Um, but even when they do it live, I think I saw a video of it where, where Barney's like, oh, that one's an epic. So there's even the sarcasm that follows it, yeah. I think, signals the fact that it's kind of a gimmick. Because mm-hmm. even they so don't necessarily take it terribly seriously. Well, I don't think, I don't know if you really can take it terribly seriously. I have never been able to decide whether you suffer is complete bullshit or a visionary attempt to condense all of Grindcore's potential fury into seven brutal seconds. Either way, it asks very little of your time. I mean, I think there's an agenda behind it. Like, look, here's what we're going to do. It's so provocational. Yeah. But I don't think that's true anymore. No, I think it's been played out and now it's uh, laughable by most people. Yeah. I think you're the sixth person I've done this with and almost every single person, their immediate reaction is laughter. Especially someone that's not familiar with Napalm Death. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard you suffer prior to same time I heard Napalm Death. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a standard. <laughs> it's a Napalm Death standard. Yeah. It's, it's not a, I mean, I've heard it billions of times and it's not 
it's not it's yeah i mean if you're playing it for you know, if i were to play it for my wife or you know you play it for your kids they're gonna think it's ridiculous yeah. i don't know if i thought i don't try to think if i went back to when i was 12 or however old i was when i first heard it and i mean i think it was like i think it was funny but i felt like it was a provocational funny yeah you know the, they would probably say taking the piss out of right or something i mean that's all that ac or the meat shits is really is provocation yeah i guess oh yeah more specifically um uh, anal cunt yeah and that only goes so far i mean i know you're a big Gigi fan but um i think you got to have more in your your bag of tricks and skills than provocation well Gigi had some great songs too Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. You know, I watched that documentary on the mentors. I think I mentioned to you. You have to watch it. Yes, I haven't seen that. I don't know. The and mentors I was impressed well. with how musical they really were. Yeah, and how kind of just stupid they were. Like, you know, you think there's recent protests and things happening. You know, some very legitimate reasons and whatnot. But then you like they're just like you know they're like ninth grade school kids humor yeah in a lot of ways um don't get me in trouble i'm not supporting or condoning the any of those bands but yeah. i'm just saying like i was like wow they're actually better you know the guitar player's not it's pretty competent and they're actually writing songs and there's choruses and well, they're kind of catchy it's it's like same thing with Gigi allen yeah yeah i mean um, Gigi's music isn't revolutionary per se but mm-hmm. uh he writes a lot of really catchy good punk songs and his his country album is fantastic you know i try to think of a uh, since i'm just thinking on the fly if i think of a of, of a provocational transgressive artist that has a great deal of other things in the bag you know i think of someone like um a like gaspar noy mm-hmm. the filmmaker did irreversible which was a film i saw in the theater i don't know if you saw it with me yep i was there and people were walking out and it became well known because of of the really terrible rape scene and right. also a lot of the camera work, but the camera work is what made me the <laughs> what makes that film so great isn't like you know it's not the rape scene that's what makes it infamous but I think right. what makes it so great was it's it's um, it's experiment with with linearity and and presenting with you a, a, a rape revenge film where you you get the revenge first which flips the whole right. sort of your, your moral reading of the film. And, you know, whenever you watch a rape revenge film, like I spit on your grave or, you know, the dirty, hairy, sudden impact and that whole genre, you get the transgression first, you get the thing first, and then you get to feel the, the catharsis of the revenge. And that's what made that film so smart and interesting is you were forced to sit with the discomfort of the revenge first and so I think that film is very smart. So then it's like the provocation isn't just empty gesture. And I think that's the threat for a lot of people that only want to provoke. Yeah. I agree. There you go. Well said. Go watch the Mentors documentary. <laughs> that's the point of, of uh, you saw Made by a Portland filmmaker, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The Mentors played uh, real close to my house not too long ago, a few years ago. And I missed them. And then, what? Well, and El Duce died how many years ago? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's all, it's, I mean, but you know, if you wear masks, you can always be replaced. Oh, like Guar. Yeah. Oh, sure that. Oof. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Thanks, Don. Yeah. Thank you. My name is Jory Appadale, and I am responsible for the projects Inephrins and High Life. You Suffer by Napalm Death. I think I first heard this song when I was 14 or 15 years old, 
and it was around the time where I was just discovering new music left and right, just super intrigued by metal music and anything I could find on, on the internet, I would just download and check out. And so when you import your music into iTunes, you can look at the track lengths, and I saw that this song, You Suffer, on this album was only like one or two seconds long, and I'm like, there's no way that this is a full song. This has to be some sort of glitch or mistake or file error or something. And so I think instead of starting the album at the beginning, I skipped right to this song first and just clicked on it because I was just bewildered and intrigued. So sure enough, hitting play just totally blew the lid off of what I thought a metal song could be. It's, it's exactly what it needs to be, just a crazy, maniacal, short burst of energy. Absolutely loved it. I think I probably listened to it ten times over and over. This is a song called You Suffer by Napalm Death. Hi there, this is Andy Whale, um, Bolt Thrower and Death Collector. Um, I suppose the first time I would have really heard um, the track You Suffer by Napalm Death would have been the mid-80s. I mean, um, probably about 85 when they started supporting bands like Amoebix, Antisect, you know, all those sort of um, anarcho punk bands that were, you know, that was the scene at the time back at the Mermaid in Birmingham. Um, I seem to remember the um, track You Suffer being slightly longer as well from the version that we all know and, you know, on the Scum LP. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Napalm Death were always an excellent band back in them days. Very extreme, very intense and uh, always good fun, you know. I mean, it was a, a great time in my life and it was, uh, you know, a, a, a great track as well. All right. The name of the band is called Napalm Death. And the song is called You Suffer. Ready? Okay. Here we go. That's it. Wait, what? Wanna hear it again? That's literally it. Yeah, I'll play it again. What'd you think of it? That's interesting. <laughs> Was it? Was it too long? Yeah, it was way too long. It was like the longest song ever. An Earth in Sound Productions.